Hey everybody, this is Kate. And I'm Michelle. And you're listening to the Ball Blast Podcast. everybody welcome to the second ever episode of the ball blast podcast we want to thank all of you who joined us for our first episode shared our link uh, last week we're excited to continue this ball rolling pump out some content on a weekly basis we've got a new link live up at anchor.fm um, there you can find all of our links to our google podcast stitcher itunes uh, should be coming soon so please subscribe retweet hit us up with some feedback at ff ball blast now let's get into some news <laughs> Just in, everybody. Rob Gronkowski has officially announced his retirement from the NFL. Very dramatic music. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sad. Uh, despite the fact that I'm a Steelers fan and he's just whooped us on every single opportunity, I am so sad to see him retire from the NFL. He's a, a first ballot Hall of Famer. He's oh, for sure. One it's, of the most dynamic players to ever watch. I think it's the right time for him. They just won a Super Bowl. He was thinking about it last season. Why Why play again when he clearly was struggling this season with his body's just giving up on him. He was still great in run blocking, um, but you definitely saw the decline in actual like production on his end. So I think this is a perfect time for him to hang him up and go on to his second career in acting or wrestling or whatever. He oh, wants he's to gonna do. do. He's gonna do just fine. He's gonna keep making money, but. Um, what a guy. He's he's probably the best tight end we've ever seen play the game. Congratulations. Love you. We'll miss you. Um, and yes, the dramatic music was warranted. Um, I would put a lot of money that TJ Hawkinson or Noah Font will be a New England Patriot come April. What date is it? When's the draft? 29th. When's that Thursday? April 25th. One of those two players will be a New England Patriot. All right. Well, on it right now. I'm completely in agreement. I think that they need to invest some draft capital in that giant Gronk-shaped hole that they've left in their offense. Uh, Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson are both great fits. They can run block. They can catch passes down the field. It's a perfect Gronk thing. Um, but let's move on. So with that, we were talking about Jared Cook to the Saints. What are you thinking about that move as far as the, the effect for him? He finishes the tight end five last season. I think it's a great signing by the Saints. Jared Cook, I don't see as a highly productive tight end next season for like fantasy wise. So he he did so great last year at times because he was the only piece there in that offense that Carr had to target. So he was just being peppered with targets and it worked out for him in a certain number of games last season which What about Seth Roberts? <laughs> yeah. No? Was he the wide receiver one for them last year? Does anyone even know? No, nobody knows. <laughs> Besides Amari Cooper, but once Amari Cooper left, who who was their wide receiver one? Jordy Nelson, I guess did some stuff at the end of the year. but Hardly. So Jared Cook was the main piece there. I mean, he was honestly the focal point, and that's going to be the complete opposite situation in New, uh, New Orleans. Too many weapons. Yeah, t- way too many weapons. I think it's a great setting for the Saints. I think they need a re- reliable tight end, but he will not be targeted the same way as he was in Oakland last season. Yeah, and I think even on the Saints offense last season, we really wanted Ben Watson to be a thing. He did have a couple of games where he he really showed something, but he disappeared a lot 
most of the time. But yeah, I agree. Great signing for the Saints. Um, not super fantasy relevant, but I don't think we're going to see Jared Cook around the tight end five next year. Maybe tight end 10, 12. Yeah, he'll be lucky to even be there, but <laughs> I don't think he's draftable, but it's okay. Maybe you can pick him up and stream him in your leagues, in your redraft leagues, and he can have a couple good games for you. You'll just have to pick the right ones, but maybe against defenses that are really bad against tight ends, you can play him in those matchups. Staying in the tight end lane, Jared uh, aside from Jared Cook, Hunter Henry will be ready for OTAs, has uh, had a nice timetable for his recovery, should likely be up to speed by the time of the regular season, but we haven't necessarily seen the consistency we liked. Uh, finished 2017 with 45 receptions, 579 yards, four touchdowns. It's fine. Yeah, he he was nothing that exciting to me ever. And his name holds so much to people in fantasy. He's huge in Dynasty still. He's got the draft stock as if he has been playing at like a George Kittle caliber yeah. level. Yeah, his name holds so much value. People love him. I think it's the offense he's in. Uh, people realize that Rivers loved Antonio Gates and he really relied on him. So everyone thinks he's going to do the same thing with Hunter Henry. I think he has all the potential in the world. He has to stay healthy. We'll see. He's going around the likes of O.J. Howard, Evan Ingram, two players that we'll be discussing later in the podcast. Yeah, we will. Yeah. And I would much rather have them than even look at Hunter Henry's way. But his potential is there in a terrible touch or a terrible tight end landscape. So he will be worth a pick, but I, I don't want to pick him too early in drafts. And he's worth so much in Dynasty. I just can't. I can't imagine trying to trade for him right now in the current situation, especially coming off a torn ACL. I do think he'll be ready to go for the season, but not not somebody I'm as excited for as I used to be. Um, another piece of news, Julio Jones is working on an extension with the Atlanta Falcons. Um, probably had the most quiet 1,600-yard season, nearly 1,700 yards ever because he didn't have a touchdown until week eight. Yeah, you wouldn't think a wide receiver that hasn't had less than 1,400 yards in the last five seasons could be underrated, but he's, he's so he's, underrated. He's so underrated, and I'm actually one of those people that – You don't like Julio. What I did not, you? It's not that I don't like Julio Jones. You don't, don't like Julio Jones. In fantasy. In fantasy. What did you tra- – so for those <laughs> I listening – I don't want to talk about it. Um, Michelle traded me Julio Jones last year. She really did not like him in fantasy. She wanted to get him off her team but couldn't – couldn't find a suitor, so I lowballed her an offer. This was earlier in the season where it was before the season started. Dion Lewis was like all the rage, um, and Chris Hogan was also all the rage with the Julian Edelman suspension. So I sent her Chris Hogan and Dion Lewis, Dion Lewis in, in a, a second. second. <laughs> I wonder what you'll do with the second. Um, for Julio Jones, and it's the best move that I've ever made. We're going to touch on a couple of Michelle trades. <laughs> I like podcast. to trade, <laughs> and sometimes that comes back to bite me for sure. Anyway, the whole point I, is that But I want everyone to know, I love Julio Jones for NFL purposes, and he actually had an amazing season this year where he was very consistent. Most years, he's extremely inconsistent. He'll end up having great numbers at the end of the year, but he, he kills you a lot of weeks, so it's like every other week he's And like he's awesome. always – Almost injured. Yeah. Um, yes. Like, he's never out of the game, but 
he is always like a gust of wind away from this serious injury, and you just never know. Um, but after week eight, so after he broke this touchdown streak, he averaged 0 0.9 touchdowns per game, almost a touchdown every single week after that. Um, no, and he's a beast, and I think Atlanta – did the right thing by giving him that extension, making him the highest paid wide receiver in the league. Not it, yet. He, he, oh, well, soon. And, you know, that's not going to last long. So everyone's going to say he doesn't deserve to be the wide receiver one. Well, I heard on Twitter, Calvin Ridley, oh, goodness. he's actually like the number one wide receiver for the Atlanta Falcons, which I was totally unaware of, but apparently 10 touchdowns makes you the number one wide receiver on your team. And that's all it takes. Yeah. If you only have eight, you're a loser. Oh, you are. You're and ten. You're loser. just obviously the best one. I yeah. There, that was a terrible take on Twitter by one of our followers. Forget forget the sixteen hundred yards. That that really has nothing to do with your production as a wide receiver. Oh no, moving that doesn't on. get you down to the goal line at all. Moving <laughs> moving on before I flip this table over. Um, <laughs> another piece of news: uh, Doug Baldwin. Um, after an injury-riddled uh, season last year, his knees were both hobbled. How does that happen? Doug Baldwin, he needs more surgeries this offseason. Expected to be ready for the start of training camp, but are you going to take a risk on this guy? No, I'm hands-off, Doug Baldwin. I think people took the risk on him last season. I was even hands-off him last season. I didn't feel good about his injuries, even – even without that, I just not someone that I want to invest high draft capital on. And now he needs more surgeries. I'm just going to let him fall in drafts. He will fall, but then he will be picked up. Everybody still fell too into early the trap. just because of Nate, his name. He yeah. still is going to be picked up just for the potential of what he has been and what he can be again. And I'm just I'm staying away. I am too. I would rather him fall to somebody else in my league. Let him let him scoop him up. Um, and when he's following along with the next injury, I think everybody was encouraged by the end he had to the 2018 NFL season. Came out strong towards the like last quarter of the season. Uh, everybody thought he might be a little healthier, but with this news, I'm really just not. I'm not psyched. I'm not psyched about this at all. Um, and then finally, the most important news. Uh, item we have from the last week. Randall Cobb has been signed to the Dallas Cowboys. All aboard the hype train. No, thanks. That's all I had to say. Yeah. I, <laughs> what did Cole Beasley, how many yards did Cole Beasley have last year? Um, Cole Beasley, I think he had around 600 yards. Yeah, just plug that in for Cobb. All right, so Same just thing. copy over the stat line. Yep. All right. That sounds great. Um, here, we're going to introduce a little segment that we're going to carry on through the offseason. We're going to have some head-to-head -head debates on some of our favorite guys and who's more worthy of your higher draft picks in the 2019 fantasy football seasons. This is war. All right, all right. Our first ever battle we're we're going for the 101 Our, th there are two candidates that we both feel are very eligible um for that that draft position michelle why don't you kick us off so with my your, your 101 loser. my 101 is by far ezekiel elliott 
Hmm. Reasons why. A. We're waiting. Six rushing touchdowns in 2018. Yeah, you know who who outrushed him when it comes to touchdowns last year? Who? The GOAT, Alex Collins. Okay, but the point is. You know who else? (laughs) Who else? The RB1, Josh Allen. All right, all right. But that's my point, is that it was very low. That's not normal for him. He normally has 15. He had 15 rushing touchdowns in his rookie year. Seven rushing touchdowns in 2017 and only 10 Mm. games. He's not going to repeat with six rushing touchdowns next season. No way, no how. He will be in the double digits. He already was dominant last year with only those six rushing touchdowns. It can only go up from here. And then B, Amari Cooper. The addition of Amari Cooper was huge, not only for Elliott, but the whole Cowboys offense. In those first seven games, you saw them struggling. You know, to move the ball, Elliott didn't have a ton of space. So once they added Cooper, his yardage increased his targets increase, his receptions increase, which is weird to me that you would think adding another wide receiver would actually hurt him in that area, but it helped him a lot, a lot, a lot. So he saw a lot more space, and it was able to the whole offense was able to move the ball more. In the first seven games, he was a running back nine on the season. Once they added Cooper, weeks nine through 16, he was a running back two, just behind uh, Christian McCaffrey. All right, well, I'm going to shift our focus a little bit to the 2018 offensive NFL Rookie of the Year, Mr. 2,028 yards from scrimmage, Mr. 15 touchdowns, Mr. No fumbles, Saquon Barkley, Saquon Goatley. Baker got screwed. (laughs) I'm sure all of my followers know on Twitter by the now that I was already advocating for Baker Mayfield for that spot, but I'm not going to let that come back to bite me here for my argument. He won. Barkley won. Yep. Barkley was great. Barkley was great, right? Mm -hmm. I I think that that's a pretty good sign of a a a top uh, situation. When you're in the like one of the worst offenses in the NFL, and you can be the offensive rookie of the year, I think that says a little something about your production moving forward, right? He was dynamic, and that's why he's in the discussion for the one hundred and one for sure. Absolutely. So I'm gonna I'm gonna keep rolling on that. So. Uh, you mentioned being dynamic, did you not? <laughs> I did. Uh, so not only did he just bulldoze his way through every brick wall, every defensive line, he just, if he couldn't bulldoze his way, he just hurtled over you, which it not every guy can do that. Not every uh, running back of his size and his uh, quadricep caliber can just rush over people uh, just as if he's like at a track meet. He just flies over you. I don't know if you've ever watched him play, but he looks. No, I've never watched him play. (laughs) (laughs) I I skipped all those joints. If you didn't watch Barkley play, you clearly were never on Twitter because you couldn't escape a week without a Barkley highlight. That's besides my point, though. So he was dynamic in the rushing game. He was dynamic in the passing game. They had a terrible offensive line, and he was able to produce um, in a time where Eli Manning just couldn't even get the ball out. Uh, had 91 receptions at the end of the season. OBJ's gone. That's 124 targets up for grabs. Yeah, so, right, he had 91 receptions, which is amazing. Except when pretty you, good. when you look at the splits, in the first eight games, he had 58 receptions. In the last eight games, he only had 33. That's almost double he had in the beginning of the year than he had the second half. And I'm wondering why that is. You saw the coach 
so frustrated on the sideline when all Eli Manning would do is throw to Barkley. He would just check down the Barkley, check down the Barkley. He was scared to throw anything longer than 10 yards down the field. Well, I would be frustrated too if I had Odell Beckham Jr. extending his way down the field and all I can look to is my ginormous quadricep running back. But clearly it wasn't working for them. Their record was 1-7. in seven. They were not moving the ball. Defenses knew that Eli wasn't looking down the field. It's not. It was not working for their offense. Once I think the coach literally told Eli, stop it, and made him look <laughs> elsewhere. They actually started winning. They were 4-4. Four and four. Not great, but at least they started winning some games. Barkley definitely saw less receptions. I mean, like I said, 33, out of, and he had 58 in the beginning. So I'm wondering if that it'll stay like that next season. Because so my my argument here is that uh, OBJ's gone, right? We mm-hmm. don't have that huge field extender. They did sign Golden Tate. You don't think Golden Tate can have 124 targets? I think he can have 124 targets, but I do think that some of those will find their way to Barkley. I think that they are rearranging their offense to a scheme where they can complete some quick, short passes open up the run game a little bit, but give Eli um, the quarter of a second he needs to throw the ball. Because if you don't get that ball out fast with Eli Manning, he just falls over yeah. every time. Every time He, he just... cannot escape, that's for sure. And it's literally like there's a small gust of wind. And when I say gust, I mean like four miles per hour, and he's <laughs> over. Like he's he's toppled over onto the ground. So you need to get that ball out fast. And I think using Barkley, using Golden Tate, that's the perfect way to do that. If you're in a PPR format, I don't know how you don't draft Barkley as the number one overall. So he had 2,028 scrimmage yards, 15 touchdowns, Barkley. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Thank you. I'm going to give him all the credit for that. Thank you. But I do think that's his ceiling for next year, especially when you see that decline in the passing game over the last eight games. If he wasn't seeing those numbers in the beginning, I don't think he would have got close to that 2,000 scrimmage yards. So I'm just worried that that's his ceiling when we've already seen – We've already seen Elliot do this over and over again. He always gets to that 2,000 scrimmage yard mark. So if you've seen a guy do it for three years in a row now, just killing it every game, why take the risk on a player that we've only seen one year when we've seen him do it three years in a row? You know his Elliot's touchdowns are going to go up. I, I'm just eliminating the risk here and picking the player that we've seen do it for so many years. I love Ezekiel Elliott. I just think that when you have – um, especially in a PPR format, I, I don't know that you can deny the number of receptions that uh, Saquon can put up. So what Zeke had 77 receptions. When you're looking at PPR formats, that's a lot of points left on the board that Saquon takes. And say say that's not the, the, the floor for Saquon. We, we've got a lot of room to grow. Possibly. I mean, I, like, He's obviously in my discussion for 101, so I would pick him 102. But be, when you're comparing Elliot and Barkley, I, why, why risk it? I think we can agree to disagree. But the, the fun part about this entire segment is that you all are going to be voting on Twitter. So we're going to put up some polls. We'll leave them up for a couple of days. But we want to get your thoughts. Who are you drafting higher? Who are you putting more of your your faith in your stock for the fantasy season in 2019. Um, we'll see who wins out here. I, I have a feeling that I'm going to be sort of a strong contender here. We'll, we'll make the announcements on on next next Monday. You'll hear who won. But I have a feeling that my arguments pushed everyone to the Elliott side. 
Speaking of arguments, um, one of the most disgruntled players in the NFL right now, I think you're about to make an argument on his behalf against your fan, <laughs> against your favorite football team, not even fantasy football team, against your football team. Okay, okay. But it's against OBJ, all right? It's who's going to score more fantasy points, AB or OBJ next season. Hmm. It pains me to have to hmm. be on the AB side, but I am. So I'm trying. I'm trying here to be, be objective. Yes. <laughs> yes. So when you're comparing both of them, right, and you're looking at only next year, okay, not, obviously not dynasty, but in redraft, who will have the better numbers? And I have OBJ. to say, no, I have to say it's AB. They're both changing teams. If OBJ was staying on the Giants, then I would pick OBJ. But since they're both changing teams, they're both in the same situation where they have to learn the new systems, they have to get familiar with their quarterbacks and make that connection. I just see a much easier path for A.B. to be dominant in his offense than I see O.B.J. So O.B.J. has a ton of competition for targets in that Cleveland offense, which is insane that we're saying that in 2019, that they have such a stacked offense with Landry, Callaway, Joku, Chubb, Hunt, all great pass catchers. And so he has so much competition there. And then on the other side, A.B., his competition is literally Tyrell Williams. and Who's amazing. That that dude posts like three hundred yards, uh, three hundred yard games per season. He doesn't do anything in between, but like the hundred yard games are there. Yeah, he can be great. I'm not I'm not hating on Tyra Williams, but he's the only other piece there. I mean, maybe Jalen Richard can catch some balls on the backfield, but A B is going to be the entire Raiders offense. And you can't say the same thing about OBJ. There's just too much talent there to only focus on him. So he's just – A.B. is going to be peppered with targets. I think 170, 180 targets, easy for him. And when you're when you're given that many targets, you're going to see the stats and you're going to have the yardage. See, I'm going to make the opposite argument for OBJ. You don't, you don't carry that man over to your team. You don't trade for his five-year contract with all those guarantees if you don't plan on making him the centerpiece of your offense baker mayfield obj jarvis landry all those guys are going to be involved but who's got that money obj you're not going to give him your money if you're not planning on making him the guy but do you think there's room in the offense for him to get the same amount of targets that ab will receive or do you just think they're going to be better targets I think they're going to be better targets. I think the the argument – so I, I see where you're coming at from, from Antonio Brown's perspective. He doesn't have a lot of talent on the field. He's obviously the most talented player on that entire team, except like maybe Vonta's perfect, but he's on the other side of the ball. I can't count him. So you look at Antonio Brown – and you, you got to put a guy on Tyrell Williams. You got to cover the guy because he is a deep ball threat. But who else do you cover? I don't, Just I, put three defenders on Antonio Brown, and you you're not going to move the ball. Would do that, but and they will. There's nobody else on that field. They don't even have a run game unless you think Doug Martin. This is his year. It's He's not, not even signed right now. Really? Yeah. So they don't have. Anyone so they to... literally have no. Yeah. No, I... Okay. So like I thought Doug Martin was the biggest threat, and maybe they draft a rookie that that makes a difference. But there's there's still no there's nobody home. There's nobody home. So you know what? You put three defenders on Antonio Brown playing man to man, play press. He's not gonna get the ball. He's and Derek Carr. He'll get intercepted. Yeah. 
he definitely will force it, and I think Derek Carr will see more interceptions this year because A.B. is going to be covered, but I think he can overcome that coverage. He is the one of the best wide receivers in the league. Also, another thing that I love for him is that the Oakland Raiders defense is just terrible. And how many games, how many games do you see the Raiders ever up by a lot where they can just run out the clock? Zero? Yeah, I've n- never. Never, especially in the like I'm talking in the last couple of years here. What's running out the clock? <laughs> yeah, they they never get the opportunity. They always are from behind, or they're they win at the last second. So they're always throwing the ball. They can never abandon the passing game. It's not an option for them. So AB is going to see so much garbage time, and that's great for your fantasy team and his fantasy production. Garbage time did make Blake Bortles a top tier mm-hmm. <laughs> fantasy football quarterback, but I'm not gonna let that stop me from from still making my argument from OBJ. Um, I really, like, I, I get that both of them are trading teams, and I understand that OBJ has a lot of competition on the field. Landry is also uh, obviously a, a great possession receiver. OBJ can also fill that role. Callaway can extend the field. And Joku, he works the middle of the field better than anybody. He bulldozes his way through everything. Um, Chubb and Hunt, they can both catch passes, but... I just I think if you're looking at, you know, the contract situation, if you're looking at like what happens if you put three guys on uh, OBJ, like you just get the ball to one of these other guys. So defenses can't game plan for all of these guys. I think they are going to obviously pay special attention to OBJ because he's OBJ. Yeah. He's so good, but I think he doesn't. A lot, of this, a lot of this is going to depend on if Baker can make that next step forward. Can he? Can he? Because twenty-seven touchdowns is not going to do it for all of these guys. Being in that three thousand yard range is not going to do it for all these guys. So can Baker take that next step up to the high four thousand yard season? We he can, and we're going to talk about it in a little bit. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll see. And I want everyone to know if the Raiders end up drafting a rookie quarterback. Your argument is null and void. Yes. Completely. (laughs) I jump on the OBJ bandwagon over AB if they take a rookie. Rookie quarterbacks just aren't good for wide receivers. It's nothing to hate on any of the rookies. If you have a wide receiver. Josh Rosen was great. It's, but even I'm not even talking about that. Like it doesn't matter about who the quarterback is. It just doesn't normally lead to a ton of wide receiver production if you're being thrown to by a rookie quarterback. Well, even Baker Mayfield in his rookie season, it was sort of hard to rely on Jarvis Landry. It's hard to rely on really any offensive weapon aside from maybe Nick Chubb. Um, and you know, part of that is he was spreading the ball around. He was he was in his rookie year. He's still figuring out how to exist in a an NFL offense. But let's move on here to another position. Um, so far, to summarize, we've got Saquon Barkley versus Ezekiel Elliott. We've got Antonio Brown versus OBJ. Michelle, who's up next? Uh, I will be debating that Evan Ingram is worth a little bit earlier round pick than OJ Howard. All right. Okay, so Evan Ingram. Right, awesome, awesome rookie season, which is very rare for tight ends. It normally takes them at least two to three years to get those snaps, really understand the offense and the blocking, and uh, see those targets. But right off the bat, he saw 115 targets his rookie season. Well, OBJ was out. Exactly, that's exactly my point. Is he saw so many targets because OBJ was out after week five? Um, It gave Ingram a ton of opportunity. 
And then we go to 2018. He was really terrible, actually. Like, you could not play him. He was really, really bad. Um, up until week 13, OBJ is out week 14 through week 17. And all of a sudden, Evan Ingram becomes a thing again. He averaged 80 yards and 5.5 receptions per game during that time, which puts him in the tiers of Kittle, Ertz, and Kelsey. He can be very dominant uh, in that tight end landscape without OBJ. For some reason, I don't know why, Eli could just not feed them both. It was impossible for him. You would think that it'd be great to have two great pass catchers on your team that you can use and uh, very high-skilled players, but he couldn't figure it out. He can, only, he can only rely on one at a time. So with OBJ out, I think that really helps Evan Ingram, and his, his potential for next season is massive. See, I'm going to make uh, the same argument that you made back for Mr. Saquon. So you said that my man Golden Tate was going to be eating up a lot of those targets. What happens to Evan Ingram? So now we have another guy filling that role. You just made the opposite argument there. Yeah, you're right there. I think Eli does need to pick it up where everyone can get a little bit more targets. I'm not really sure. I know that OBJ was out those three games, but how does he only have 124 targets? I, I don't know. So there is room for growth there. I do, like I said, I think Barkley has less targets next year, so those can go to Ingram. So you're gonna, you're just going to sort of divide those and share them overall, like we're at a Thanksgiving dinner here. <laughs> Yeah, I think Golden Tate will take most of them, but Evan Ingram can definitely go up. We we already saw him produce a lot in now a year and a few games included onto that. He's just dominant without OBJ in that offense. All right, well, I'm going to make my case for OJ Howard, the GOAT. Um, I I actually I really like Tampa Bay. I think I mentioned last week they're one of my favorite AF, uh, NFC teams. Um, OJ Howard, he's on the Bucks. He's going to be under Bruce Arians this year who is going to continue to feed this pass-heavy offense. They don't have an answer at RB yet, but is it Ronald Jones the second? No. Is that the future of the franchise? I don't know. I don't think the, the Tampa Bay Bucks know. I don't think they have any idea. O.J. Howard, though, he's a pass-catching monster. Um, Jameis Winston loves the tight end position. Um, we definitely saw a decrease in tight end production when we had um, Ryan Fitzmagic in at quarterback. And then as soon as you saw Jameis Winston come back in, you saw this uptick in tight end production. And it's because that's that's his game. That yeah. is how Winston he plays. Winston definitely favors the tight end. I And I want everyone to know that I am not an O.J. Howard. I, or O.J. Howard hater. I absolutely love him. It's just comparing these two guys. I have O.J. Howard as a top five tight end. Did you trade just... me O.J. Howard last year, too? <laughs> did I? Yeah, you did. It was, uh, what was it? Trey Boo Boo. Trey Burton. We got Trey Boo Boo. Trey Boo Boo. Fantasy Burton. footballers. Uh, yeah, courtesy of, the, <laughs> courtesy of the fantasy footballers. Please check them out. They're the best podcast around. Um, we're, we're a close second though. Yeah. I think we're pretty awesome. We're pretty awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Um, fantasy footballers, uh, Trey Boo Boo, Trey Burton. He's a absolute master at, uh, disappointing your fantasy football team. Yeah. Despite the hype last year, the hype was so huge. I also got Jared Goff and I really needed a quarterback. So I, I still hold true to that. Anyway, trade. the yeah. I'll I'll summarize the trade. It was OJ Howard and Jared Goff for Chris Thompson and OJ Howard and Josh Allen. I I traded Jared Goff in his prime. Oh damn! 
I gave you did you Josh forget Ellis. this? Did you forget about this trade? You <laughs> blacked did. it out. Anyway, oh, anyway, that was in Dynasty. So yeah. yeah. Anyway, Rough. that was my man, OJ Howard. Um, but anyway, Jameis Jameis Winston he favors the tight end. They're not going to be playing this quarterback carousel game. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick's out of town. You've got Bruce Arians in here, who is a quarterback whisperer. Um, he's gonna he's gonna be working on that passing offense, and he's gonna work on bringing um, Jameis to that potential. Dirk Cutter hated Jameis Winston. I don't know what it was. If anybody watched Hard Knocks, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The tension was palpable through my television. It was awful. Yeah, it was rough. Bruce, Bruce Arians is gonna bring this this guy to a head, and Cutter it, hated him. You it was tell. terrible. It was really hard to Anytime watch. Anytime Winston like spoke, you could see Cutter like boiling. Yeah, one on one conversations, they were the worst to watch. And yeah. I don't, I don't think we're going to see the same thing with Bruce Arians. He retired. He came back for this offense. He's ready to coach Jamin with Jameis Winston, number one overall pick in what was that, 2014. Um, and we, I don't feel like we've technically seen his ceiling there. We see flashes, and then we see these dumb Jameis Winston moves. So he's going to work on coaching those out, but. Um, you know, he does favor that position. I know we've got Cameron Bray. He was signed to a nice deal. He's going to be with the, the Bucks presumably for a long time, but, um, that's what I think also hurts him is that Cameron Bray is that red zone target. Evan Ingram doesn't have that kind of competition at the tight end position. He's not fighting for snaps and Bray, they're paying him actually an absurd amount. So they can't just sit him. I, I don't know if they can trade him or I don't know if they can get out of the contract by cutting him without... It's a pretty Too new much contract, space, and but. I don't, I I will make my argument. I don't think they need to get out of his contract anytime soon. They are different players. So OJ Howard, he is much more of a stretch the field guy. He's much more of a run after catch guy. Um, Braid is the red zone guy, but you count on OJ Howard to make that run after catch and get into the end zone. He might not be the clear cut red zone target, um, but when we look at Cameron Braid. Um, Especially last season, we saw O.J. Howard go on the injured reserve. We were all so excited. We thought, all right, it's Cameron Bray time. He's going to shine. He's going he's gonna to clearly differentiate yeah. himself. We thought he was a top two tight end rest of season. And that really the only thing he could do is score those touchdowns. That That's was all. Oh, so yard, uh, yards per game before, before the O.J. Howard injured reserve incident, he was averaging 15 yards per game. 15. One five, zero point three touchdowns per game. We all expected this huge uptick in production, but after OJ Howard went down, we only saw Cameron break up to twenty one point seven yards per game. That is six point seven yards per game more. You would want more from this elite tight end, and I, I think he is more of a blocking guy. He's more of a red zone. Um, red zone threat. He's a big body guy who's effective in the red zone. OJ Howard had a total of 211 yards after catch. Cameron Bright, do you know? Do you know how many he had? No, how 20, many? 25. <laughs> That's a big difference. OJ Howard is special, but guess what? 2017 and 2018. How did he end his season? What's the similarity there in both seasons? Injured on the injured reserve list. He couldn't play out the whole season. Both due to ankle injuries. So if you're we looking, all have wobbly ankles though. But if you're looking at two guys that have I the have same amount, ankles. you're looking at OJ Howard, Evan Ingram, same amount of potential. They're both very talented. They're both stretch 
they both can stretch the field, great pass catchers. I see I see their outcome pretty similar if they both play a full 16 games. But to me, who's more likely to play the full 16 games is Evan Ingram. Probably, yeah, I, I agree with you there. So he's more likely that I'm going to pick him earlier. Just if they're going around the same time, a couple picks apart, I'm going to pick Ingram over Howard because you have less injury risk. I will say that O.J. Howard was on pace for 54 receptions, 904 yards, and eight touchdowns. That's not bad for a tight end. That's like tight end four, tight end five um, in this sort of tight end landscape. I'm sticking with my pick, O.J. Howard, And if my I guy. don't get Evan Ingram, I would be happy to take O.J. Howard. Damn right you would. I just – if I'm – Sorry, too, that was – I am a very – I'd like to eliminate risk. So in both of these situations where I was talking about Ezekiel Elliott and now Evan Ingram, when you're comparing them with these other guys, if you see very similar outcomes for them next season, take the guy that's less risky. No risk, no reward, my friend. Moving on. Um, Next up, we've got Cam Newton. Uh, courtesy of Michelle, actually my least favorite quarterback. (laughs) I know how much you hate It's killing me. So this will be fun. It will be fun, but I'm going to go after another guy, Baker Mayfield. So uh, up for up for war, we've got Baker Mayfield. We've got Cam Newton. Michelle, you're up with Cam Newton. Tell me why he's worth a higher pick. I, com- I, I don't get it. I'm completely shocked that you're willing to go all in on Baker, a second-year quarterback over Cam Newton, who has sh- proven time and time again to have to- a, a- – Jacked up shoulder. Okay, that's fine. But he's t- shown time and time again to be an amazing fantasy quarterback. Yes, obviously this all lies on Cam Newton's shoulder injury. So if we hear that it's Literally, not, it's on his shoulder. Yeah, so if we hear the surgery, you know, he's not healing. He's not going to be able to do any training camp. He might not be ready for the beginning of the season. Obviously, all my arguments disappear. But if he's good to go... Weeks 1 through 12. So he was starting, you could see the the injury really starting to affect him after week 12. So weeks 1 through 12, he was a quarterback 4 in the season. He was a quarterback 2 in 2017 and the quarterback 1 in 2015. He has shown to be amazing for fantasy purposes. Because of his rushing ability. Yes, but you can't just take that away. You can't just eliminate that. If you've got a broken shoulder, you're not going to be running the ball. You're not going to be slamming into defensive linemen. You're not going to be putting your body at risk, you've got to become a more proficient pocket Newton passer. Newton will never do that, though. He's too stubborn. He's going to keep running. And the best part is he gets those rushing touchdowns. So, And that's why I love Christian McCaffrey so much is he's a pass-catching running back. So it's perfect for Cam Newton. He throws to him short. Christian McCaffrey always just finds holes to make it 20-yard play. And then in the, near the end zone there at the goal line, Christian McCaffrey is not that goal line back. So what they do is they do a little dump-off pass to Christian McCaffrey, and then they both get a touchdown. Or Cam Newton rushes it in because he's the bigger guy. Um, I just love him. He has a much more a long-proven track record of being a great fantasy quarterback. Why trust Baker is going to take that leap forward next year instead of just trusting a guy that's shown – what he can do because I don't trust that Cam Newton is willing to put his his career at jeopardy over this shoulder injury by continuing to put his body at risk the way that he has he does he he's a fearless guy on the field he's a big-bodied man he will um 
put his body at risk really to make the play to get that extra yard. He he takes those hits. He's had the concussion history. He's had a lot going on, but you put this shoulder injury on top of it. Um, I think there were comments in the offseason that, you know, if there was a benefit to him sitting out for the year the way that Andrew Luck did, um, maybe they would do that. We saw a career high in completion percentage for him. He's always been a guy that's been around 58 or so percentage for completion. He was at 67.9 last year. Yeah, he was awesome. Last I year. see him regressing, though, back to the mean. So his mean, like I said, he's I do around. think that was a huge focus, though. The quarterback or the coach said it in the beginning of the year that he was going to be in the high 60s, and everyone made fun of him for saying that. And he proved it. That was obviously a huge focus was to get Newton's completion percentage up. So I think that's going to be a huge focus again next season. It was a huge focus, but they they still went 6-8 and eight with Cam Newton under center. And I think that we're going to see a regression back to the mean for his completion percentage. We are going to see less rushing attempts for Cam Newton overall. Given the injury history, um, it's kind of like Andrew Luck. You, you were a little worried about him headed into the season, obviously, with his – history of the shoulder injury, um, and they did. They they rallied that offensive line. They got some pieces, um, and it, it worked for the Colts. But I'm not sure that that we're going to see Cam Newton just suddenly stop rushing the ball. Um, he might either get injured or we'll see him stop rushing the ball, which is all of his value. So, so with Baker, though, it, it – even last year, he was great as a NFL quarterback. You couldn't use him that often in fantasy. He wasn't, Towards the end of the season, you could. Yeah, he wasn't as reliable. Let's say last year, Wentz and Watson, right? In 2017, everyone was obsessed with their capability, their potential for 2018. They were drafted so early. Everyone had such high hopes. Wentz was a complete disappointment. Watson definitely picked it up towards the end of the season to salvage his year. But in the beginning there, you were very disappointed in him, and he was not anything is what he was showing as a dynamic fantasy quarterback um, as he was in 2017. So why do you think Baker can completely change that? Um, Baker Mayfield was the quarterback nine. Once Freddie Kitchens came into that offense, um, we saw a huge, huge uptick in production from Baker Mayfield. Um, the Browns fired Todd Haley. He did show flashes under Todd Haley. We saw him lead the Browns um, in week three after the injury to Terod Taylor. Um, they had their first win versus the Jets since uh, week 16 of 2016. So we knew he had something in there. Uh, but once Todd Haley had packed his way and moved on to Cleveland, um, Freddie Kitchens was promoted to offensive coordinator. We saw Baker's stats jump. Um, significantly. His percentage completion rate, um, he was at 58.3%. He had eight touchdowns, six interceptions. His quarterback rating was 78.9. Enter Freddie Kitchens, all right? His his new coach coming into the 2019 season. Um, Once Freddie Kitchens was his offensive coordinator, he he saw a 68.4% of completions. Uh, 19 touchdowns, eight interceptions. Quarterback rating jumped from, uh, let's say, 78.9 up to 106.2. He flourished in that system. Now you give him a weapon like OBJ. I'm not sure how you don't see him progressing in his current offense in this current system. Obviously, I think Baker's going to be great. I love him. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks in the league. 
I think he will have his struggles, though. He has to make that connection with OBJ before that's going to be a something great. You can't just expect OBJ to get there and then all of a sudden Baker is just Peyton Manning, you know? It's going to take time. And you have to realize he's going in the sophomore year. When you're comparing him to someone as a veteran as Cam Newton that's shown that he can be quarterback in the top five of quarterbacks over and over and over again, why why not just go with the man that's shown it over someone that has the potential? So do you think, like, for you, do you think that Baker has Pat Mahomes' potential? Is that why you're willing to take him over Cam? I think they're completely different players. I don't see, uh, I don't see Baker Mayfield as the um, – make these no-look passes. I mean, Patrick Mahomes, he can throw the ball from any position. He can throw the ball with his left hand, his right hand. He can throw literally anything, and it would be a touchdown. Baker's not that guy. He's, uh, like, I, I would compare Pat Mahomes to, like, this superhero, and Baker Mayfield is just this guy living his regular life, and he's just good at everything he does. He's great at everything he does. He's not a superhero, but he can execute the offense, and he is he's a leader in Cleveland right now. So he was a leader last year. You saw the jump up once they changed offensive systems. Give him more weapons like he has. Um, I, I, I guess I just – I'm going to take the upside there when – uh, he's ready to to take that next step. Yeah, and we're talking about all of Baker's weapons, right? And I think Cam has a lot of good weapons. Obviously, he doesn't have an OBJ there. That's not there, but he does have Christian McCaffrey, which I see is better than Chubb and Hunt. They're Chubb and that Hunt are both amazing. But Christian receiver, McCaffrey, right? yeah, he is their best wide receiver. He makes the best <laughs> plays. He's dominant, and he's so good for Cam to for like to have him there as his safety valve, you know. Yeah, and I think that um, you see like Curtis Samuel and other other yeah, guys DJ like that. DJ Moore, can come Curtis in. Samuel, Ian Thomas, who I'm completely obsessed with. You love him too, yes. and people are are not giving him people the are hating on Ian yes. Thomas. Ian Thomas is going to be the next great tight end. I'm very sure of it. I think everybody still accept, expects uh, Greg Olson to be like the tight end five, and I just don't see it. How many foot injuries does this guy have to to have before we consider him a, a a big injury risk, and the fact that he's been interested in broadcasting, I, I'm sure the opportunities there. We don't know what we're going to see. So, yeah. it, if he gets an opportunity in broadcasting, he's going to take it, even if he plays. I see him on a limited snap count. So, Ian Thomas will still get to be there. A like lot a Jason of, Witten, like yeah. 25 snaps per game. Kind Tons of, deal. of teams run two tight end sets. They're not going to just sit Ian Thomas. Ian Thomas showed so much flash last season. Well, and I think everybody was very. Um, we like we saw Greg Olson out for a Am couple of games. Am I slowly getting you on the season. Cam Newton side? No, I feel it. Nope. I feel you coming. This is a pitch for Ian Thomas, okay. not for the guy that's throwing him the ball. Okay. Um. So Ian Thomas, he he was out, uh, or Greg Olson was out. We saw Ian Thomas at the very beginning of his rookie season do nothing, and then we saw like all rookie tight ends besides Evan Ingram. Yes, we saw him do nothing, and that's okay. Um, but then we saw Greg Olson reemerge, re-injure his, his foot. Um, and then the second time we see Ian Thomas come around, he was a huge threat for Cam Newton. 
I'm I'm all aboard the Thomas train. If you have shares in Dynasty, hold them. If you don't, go get them. This is the time to buy because once Greg Olson is out of the picture, you're not going to be able to buy him. And so many people are so low on him, and it doesn't make any sense to me. So if you don't have him, go get him, please. But this comes back to to Cam Newton and Baker Mayfield. I almost, I got so excited about Ian Thomas, I forgot who we were talking about. <laughs> Let's bring it back to the quarterbacks. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. All right, make your final pitch. Again, it always comes back to limiting risk for me. So as long as Cam Newton's shoulder clears and he's good to go, he's going to be his normal self, I am why, why, why risk it on a second-year quarterback who wasn't – he wasn't crazy awesome. You know, he wasn't crazy elite last year in, in fantasy. So why take a risk on him instead of Cam Newton who's shown that he can be a top-five quarterback season after season after season? All right, and I go back – my final pitch is why are we going to trust the guy that has this hobbled shoulder? We're not going to see that. Um, I just I don't see him being able to keep up the, the risky plays that he does that gets him those extra yards and makes him a viable rushing quarterback. Um, that's our pitch. So to summarize, to summarize our, our war, our battles, we've got Ezekiel Elliott versus Saquon Barkley. Antonio Brown versus OBJ, OJ Howard versus Evan Ingram, and Cam Newton versus Baker Mayfield. Um, I think we had some good dialogue here. We're going to post up some polls on Twitter. We want to hear your thoughts. We want to get your votes. Twitter, um, don't suck up the Kate just because it's her account. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or, or do. That's fine. Um, but go – you know what? I, I just want everybody to pick the guy that they're going to go with in their actual fantasy drafts, which – um, would be Baker Mayfield, O.J. Howard, OBJ, and Saquon Barkley. So yeah. just so stick to your guts. When will you get these posted? Um, so we're going to post uh, – we're recording Sunday night. We're going to get the podcast posted um, Monday morning, and as soon as the podcast is released, we'll get those polls up there. Um, listen, subscribe. Um, thank you all for joining us for our second episode. It's been a pleasure. Uh, we're gonna keep these war episodes going. We're gonna uh, we're gonna keep these debates up. If you guys have suggestions for future guys you want to hear about, holler, hit up the DMs at me, at FF Ballblast on Twitter. Um, hit that subscribe button, retweet, do all the things you need to do. But I'm gonna keep beating your butt. So all right, bring it. Bring all right, it. all right. Thank you all for joining us, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>